In a world dominated by sound bites and characters on a screen, the art of conversation has faded. It's time for the Great Conversation Podcast. Allow us to illustrate your sound waves with colorful, meaningful, great conversation. I am the I am hyphen X and welcome to the great conversation where we indulge in healthy dialogue about topics that are important in today's society and culture. This is a new live edition of, of uh, the great conversation podcast. I think I think this is what we're going to start doing here. We got a great show about being adopted coming on today. As all as you all may know, I am engulfed in the TikTok world and TikTok takes you so many places. But I ran across a TikTok talking about um, adoption. Talking about adoption. And it dropped some, some facts for me here. It says about 135,000 children are adopted in the United States each year, 135,000 children are adopted in the United States each year. And out of that number, it also states that 40% of the adopted children are of different race, culture, or ethnicity than both of their adoptive parents. And this is just something I kind of just wanted to talk about, put out some fillers, and uh, we got some bites. We will ask our guests to go ahead and make sure that they share this live. And also, guys, make sure you share this live as well. All right. So I'm going to start bringing on some of our guests here. We got neither one of our guests are uh, strangers to the show. They've come on the show uh, on a number of time or a, n- a number of time uh, and uh, they come back. And this is what I, this is what we do here at the great conversation. We like to have difficult conversations, but these difficult conversations can be had. All right. So first off, I want to bring in someone that I know uh, heart is very genuine, very pure uh, from what I've witnessed. Uh, we got mama D let me add her to the stream here. Mama D, what's going on? Uh, not too much. Thanks for having me back. I'm, you know, honored that you even thought of me. Thank you. <laughs> now, go ahead and just remind the folks that may not know who you are, who you are, and what you do. Okay, so like you said, Mama D, Miss D, either one of those work. They're just plain D. Um, I don't <laughs> use my government name. Um, and uh, currently, I work with teens at West Middle School. I'm a behavioral specialist there. Previously, I was at the Y. I was the team director there. Boom. So Thank you I so much. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, basically, I work with teens that need that special Miss D kind of love. <laughs> hey, well, thank you for joining the conversation today. Also, I have on the line here someone who's not 
uh, a stranger to the show. Very, very humble young lady. She's very humble, very genuine, very sincere. I hear some crunching in the background there. I'm going to bring on Dana. What's going on? Do we got do we lose her? I don't know. I think we might have lost Dana, but that's okay. She'll pop back on here momentarily. Okay. So, Miss D, they say about 135 children are put up for adoption in each year. Can you kind of tell us your story, your adoption story? I, I hear some sometimes is somebody chewing some ice? No. It's quiet here. Where is that coming from? Let me see here. Okay. All right. So about 135,000 children are put up for adoption each year. Can you kind of tell us your adoption story? Because I know it's uh, a very peculiar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, I've been adopted two times. Uh, once at birth, um, and the second time when I was nine years old. Um, the reason being the first family was a horrible fit. Um, they were um, uh, Native American and Caucasian, and my second adoptive parents were both Caucasian. Again, the system did not give me a very good fit either time. <laughs> Now, when you say your first, your first family, okay, so we'll we'll, we'll dive into that. And um, Dana, that was your first. That was the first story. I'm going to let you tell the second story here momentarily. Um, Dana, I got you on the line here. Would you go ahead and share your adoptive story as well? Dan, are you there? Can you hear us? I can't hear. Okay, Dana, we're going to ask you to log out and then log back in and we'll bring you back on. All right. Now, you said that one, one set of parents were both Caucasian and once the first set were Caucasian and Native American, correct? Oh, I'm okay. So everybody just kind of left. So they're going to come back on here, guys. Sorry, guys. This is what happened when you do a live broadcast, man. Things happen, baby. Hey, if you were adopted, go ahead in the comments and put a one in the comments for me. If you were adopted or and in, if you know someone in your family was adopted, go ahead and drop a two in the comments below. Because I thought this was a, a peculiar number here. 40,000, I'm sorry, 40,000, 40% of adoptive children are of different race, culture, or ethnicity than both of their adoptive parents. Ms. D was saying how her first adoptive parents, one was white and one was uh, Native American. So uh, they just say she know a few people. So let's see, bring on Ms. D. 
Boom, Mama D. Yes, sir. Okay, bet. So you were saying that your your first um, adopted parents were white and Native American, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Now, who was white? Who was Native American? So the father, uh, the father in that situation was white, and the mother was Native American. Okay. What kind of household? Like, okay, so how, you say you were there from birth to what age? Till um, I was. Nope, I cannot hear you. From birth to age seven. To about age seven, okay. So to about eight, seven, so seven years with this family. Yeah. What kind of like what kind of ex um, what kind of experiences do you? that they adopted. So they had a Native American son that they adopted. There was um, a, a Caucasian boy that they adopted and then myself. And um, it, it was, I, I mean, it was, it was different. I mean, it was an abusive home for sure. Um, they probably never should have adopted any children. <laughs> um, but things really got bad when they uh, gave birth to their own daughter. And it got bad for mm -hmm. me and the um, the the white uh, boy that was living there as well. So once they had their own child, things got worse. Oh yeah, definitely. Is this something? Is this something cool. that is normal? Would you say in the adoptive circles? Um, I I would have hoped not, but I did as I started talking to a lot of youth that have been adopted that this does happen, that uh, for whatever reason, that adopted child um, isn't quite loved the way that they should be uh, when this new child that is actually their blood relative comes along. Um, so mm. I've heard some some pretty bad horror stories. Mm. Man, I, I've heard some of those stories as well. I've actually seen some of those. Let's see, we have Dana coming back here to add her. Hey, Dana. Hi. Sorry about that. Hey. <laughs> there we go. Hey, Dana, go ahead and share uh, us your, your adoptive story. Um, Mama D was adopted um, twice. Okay. I was only adopted once. Um, I was adopted from West Africa, Liberia, when I was eight years old. Um, I was adopted by white, a Caucasian by Caucasian people, um, parents. Um, my baby sister was actually adopted with me. So um, I was eight, she was nine months. Um, this coming up July 4th would be 15 years in America. And so, yeah. So does, does 4th of July hit different for you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I never really celebrated it until, well, I celebrated with my family until I realized the meaning of all of it, digging into like the whole American history. So now I don't, I don't really celebrate it. And yeah, I was 15. I mean, it's just a reminder that I'm not with my other family. Now, how, how old were you when you were adopted? I was eight, eight and a half. Okay, so you were eight and a half. So Mama D was, she was adopted at birth. Mm -hmm. You were 
Got to at eight. Now, Mama D, how old were you? So you you were there until you were seven. So tell us about the experience of going into a new uh, home. Okay, I must have missed that part. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Tell us about how it was to go to a new home um, at the age of seven from the abusive um, parents, uh, adoptive parents that you were with. So I spent about two years in the foster care system and uh, our foster care system, as I've said before, is broken and, and uh, it needs a lot of help. And so when I ended up in my next home, I was so hopeful that this would be it, that this would be a good fit, that um, things would be better for me. Yeah. And it was a letdown. <laughs> mm. So even Dana being at the age of uh, eight years old, being a man, you had to go from a whole nother continent. So did you just come from West Africa, Liberia to the United States? Yeah. 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 It was the uh, first, like, I didn't really know what was really going on when everything was taking place. I just, I got like a letter and like pictures and like a stuff animal and like clothes from my adoptive parents and that the orphanage like they told me what was happening i i didn't know um and then the day of adoption came i don't re really remember a lot of what happened before i was adopted but the day came i got ready my family we drove to the airport um, i've never met my adoptive parents before i just saw pictures and and so i the first time meeting them was in America at an airport, and then they took me home, which is like, that's, that's, fuck, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's like, that's so weird. And I'm just like, how is this okay? Like thinking about it now, I'm just like, I don't know these people. I, I really don't know these people. And y'all just letting me leave with them. And I've only seen pictures, you know, like that's just like a messed up thing thinking about it now. And so, <laughs> Wait a so I, okay, so you were in an orphanage prior, and do you know how old you were when you got to the orphanage? I was only, um, I was only in the orphanage for about six, seven months. So when I was adopted, I was six and a, or I was eight and a half. So I was only there probably when I got there when I was like eight, maybe. If I remember having a birthday in my orphanage. So I was eight and a half. I was eight when I got to the orphanage. Oh, so you weren't at the orphanage very long. No, I was only there for like six, seven months. Okay, so let me ask both of you this question. Do you guys were do you guys know why you were put up for adoption? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. All right. Oh, oh, we lost her again. All right, Dan, would you like to share? Sure. Um, I mean, where I, where I grew up with my family, there was a lot of civil war. Um, it was very poor. And so my mom, my family, I guess, mom made a decision to put me and my sister up for adoption because she couldn't physically meet our needs, like food, water. We just... If we would, she made the right decision to put us up for adoption, hoping we would be adopted to the States for a better life. 
and for survival. So. So it's almost the typical immigrant American story, come to America, better life, blase, blase. Now, yeah. you're like, okay, so you're saying like, okay, so are there other siblings? Yeah, my sister Casey was adopted with me. And then I have other siblings back in um, Liberia. Older or younger? Older. So they like were they like when you say older, are you talking about ten years older than you? Yeah, okay, he, so. yeah my brother Emmanuel, he's like thirty something. I'm twenty four, so he was okay. like way older than me. Yeah. So they were able to pretty much uh, work and fend for themselves. That's why you and your sister were put up. Yeah. Okay, let me bring back in Mama D here. All right, Mama D, you back? Wait, hold on. Let's see if you mute it. All right, are you you back? Oh, you muted yourself. You got to unmute yourself. All right. All right, there we go. Okay, so you said, I heard you say yeah before you uh, the CIA cut you off. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, you were. So, um, um, you know why. Okay, so I was actually put up for adoption. Um, so I was born in 1970. Um, my parents are a mixed race couple. Um, so that's just three years after um, it was legal to marry mixed couples. Uh, my, both my parents were very young and my mom really felt like that would have given me um, the best chance at having you know, a, a good life. Like she really felt like um, that she just, could not uh, take care of me the way that she wanted to. Um, her and my dad were an on again, off again couple. And so she really felt like that was the best thing to do for me. Mama D, do you, okay. So I, 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 just, I, I want you to say that again. You were born in 1970 and that was three years after it was legal for interracial couples to marry, correct? Is that what you said? Uh, yeah, so uh, it became legal in uh, 1967, correct? Uh-huh. And I was born in 1970. I, I, find, I, just, I say that because we kind of look at these, uh, these rights and these bills and uh, the civil rights movement as so long ago. All these things happened so long ago. They, they show you in black and white pictures. They show you all these things to show you that, hey, this was very long time ago when, no, it's not. Just three years before Mama D was born, if her mother and her father were together, that was a legal act. That was deemed legal in the United States of America. So I just want us to be careful when we say, you know what I'm saying, the legal thing is the right thing because that once upon a time, she she's a, she would have been a product of an illegal sanction. So now, Mama D, do you know if you ha do you have other siblings? Hold on, I'm yeah, actually, I do. Um, Tell how many? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. So actually, uh, what happened in my parents' case? Um, about a year and a half after I was born, my parents got married and they have two uh, other girls. 
that are younger than me. So do you think I think do you think it was more so the political pressure or the societal pressure of having a mixed breed child so soon after it was passed to have to where where are you from? Where were you born at? Uh Batavia, Illinois. Okay, so yeah, everybody people think of Illinois was just a smooth state. It's very <laughs> racist out here. <laughs> it's very racist in Illinois. People don't People don't think so. Mm -hmm. So you both, I just want to show that you both kind of have a similar story at the age of uh, pretty much. Okay, so Mama D, at the age of eight, you said you had to go into foster care for two years. And then you, oh, we lost her again. <laughs> and she's playing uh, hot potato. What's that? Duck, duck, goose. <laughs> in, in, in and out. Bubblegum, bubblegum in a dish. This is the Great <laughs> Conversation Podcast, man. I'm sitting here talking with uh, Dana, and we're talking about, you know, just being adopted. Now, Dana was adopted. She said, I heard, I, you know, I listened to language, and I heard Dana say she was um, adopted by Caucasian parents. Is that Caucasian parents as in same-sex parents, or were they um, a heterosexual couple? Heterosexual. Okay, okay. so they were so one man, one one woman. Yes. Tell yes. me, okay, so when they brought you home from the airport, these people that bought you some clothes, um, sent you a picture, um, and a stuffed animal, you meet them at the airport, you and your sister, they say, do they say this is your new mom and dad? Probably, yes. I don't, I was in the days. Um, yeah. Because we have like pictures and stuff from the airport, and I, I, I was so tired, I was so like jet lagged or whatever. I don't remember from, I don't really remember the plane ride here, but like I, I don't know like what the conversation was, but yeah, it was probably like, this is your mom and dad, say hi, uh, take a picture, and then go home with them. You said take a picture. <laughs> but, I mean, we took pictures. I'm like, I, my, the, I look dazed and confused. Yeah. So I, I could, I could, I could see that. I could see how that could be. Now, tell me. Okay, so did your adoptive parents have other children, as in like their own biological children? Uh, my mom was married before my dad. Now, so she had two sons in a previous marriage. And then she married my dad, and they didn't have kids together. Okay, so so she had two boys that are older than like older, and then she got married to my dad, who's my dad now. Then adopted us. Okay, so let me just ask the question that everybody that I, you know, come on, let me just ask the question. Growing up with white parents, okay. <laughs> How different was that for you? Um, I mean, it wasn't like, I, it was different because I knew about my family before. Like I knew I was a black woman or girl at the time, you know? So it's not like I was a baby and then I'm like trying to figure out who my family is or where I came from. Like I know I experienced life, you know, I was eight, you know? So I remember things. And so living with a white, like a white family, it wasn't like a, something I had to like figure out for myself. It was weird. 
Um, obviously, you get a lot of stares. You get all these, like, that doesn't belong together kind of vibe, I guess. You know? Um, it was different. Like, there was, it's like, I don't, it's different. And I can't pretend to be like, it was smooth sailing because we are different. We're from different cultures. Like, I'm completely from a different country than adopting a black person from America. You know what I mean? Have right. different, it's different. And so then me, it wasn't like I spoke, a, it's like speaking a different language. I had to learn, I had to relearn English, you know, like the more, like the white way. I had to speak proper. Mm. Um, I had to learn lots of good, like basic school. I got to like, it was just a culture shock was like the word for it, I guess. I was learning different, a whole new culture and then living with people I don't really know. And so it was different and it was really hard. And I tried running away a lot. because I'm like, I don't know these people. I, like my parents told me, like you tried, you ran a lot. You try running away, want to go back home. Um, and it was like an adjustment because two different worlds clashing without my um, consent. Consent and not really knowing what's gonna happen, or their family was gonna be like. Because I knew my family, it wasn't like I didn't know my mom and dad. Right now, you said I, I hear you saying a lot of things. Like you're saying, like you don't remember a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like it was mm -hmm. a lot blocked. So you were were you told that you ran away, or do you remember that you ran away? No, I remember. <laughs> I remember <laughs> anyway. I'll be out anytime, any chance I get, I'll out that door. Cause like <laughs> it was different and it was an adjustment. And I didn't it's like we I came to the airport and it was like by the time we got to the airport and I met them, it was like already dark. It was a couple hours drive to go home. We got home and I was in a whole, I was literally in a completely different country. And for some reason, people think you just adjust like that. And I guess it was easy for my sister because she was nine months. So this is all she yeah. really knows. And so like I had questions and like, I don't know, it was weird. And it's still, when I think about my life now, I'm like all those things that seem normal, I'm just like, that was not normal. You don't meet completely new two completely new people, go home with them and be like, Yeah, you're gonna live with them for the rest of your life. So tell us about tell us about because you know, you you're saying things were hard, you know what I'm saying? It was hard to adjust. Um because we see this, we see this all the time. We see this on TV where um, you know, the these um these celebrities, they go out and they collect um, different uh, children, different nationalities. You know what I'm saying? They, you know what I'm saying? They, <laughs> they collect them or whatnot. And you sound as if you were always kind of aware of who you yeah. are, aware of what's going on. You were trying yeah. to break away yeah. from freedom. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Anybody that knows Dana, she's very quick. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> now <laughs> so tell us when you started to research the black American, 
black people's uh, struggle in America. And then you turn around and you're eating breakfast with a white man and a white woman. And I'm assuming the older boys, did they live there? And if they did- No, they were older, older, like older, older. Yeah, they were already like out. Okay. So you're sitting there with your your white parents and you're reading all these things. I feel as if you said something or challenged them in some kind of way. Did you um, did you ask any questions? Um, honestly, I didn't start researching that until like I think I moved. Like growing up, I used to like search like beautiful black women, whatever. When I was like younger, you know, because I that I didn't see any of that. I wasn't given those information. I knew I was a different. I was different from my parents and from the kids I went to school with, my teachers, my friends, all of that. So like I would search like beautiful black women on Google and I'll see, okay, that's, I, I like that, I, whatever. And so I didn't start like learning about my history until like, wait, like not until like not that long ago, actually, like all through um, elementary, junior high, middle school, high school, I was like that adopted girl who didn't really question much because my parents, we didn't talk about where I came from, really. You oh, know? wow. Yeah, it was more like, like, you, yeah, you were adopted. That's it. Pretty much. I, then, I mean, I didn't it's, time, that. it's time for grilled cheese and tomato soup. They didn't, they didn't really know. And they, I bet, I mean, they tried probably to cut. I don't know. They didn't. We didn't really talk about it as much as um, I don't. Maybe I'm not remembering talking about. No, you're about probably right. Because on the movies, they kind of show that once you're adopted, they kind of tell you, "Hey, you were adopted." You, you may have that one conversation. Yeah, you were adopted. These are your parents, but we are your new parents, and we gave you a new life. And then that, that's kind of it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy this new life that we've um, bestowed upon you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like. When you say, so you're saying you're you were engulfed into like white culture, so you're at school with white people, you're you're going to family functions, it's all white people and whatnot. How were what what was the reception like? The majority of them, not just not just the majority of the white people. What kind of what, what did you hear? What did they say? You know what I'm saying that you can recall. Um. I don't, it was boring. I don't know. It, bo- it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember like the first, your first Christmas or your oh, first uh, oh. Thanksgiving? Yeah. Uh, um, like we spent like, Christmas with like the grandparents, the aunts and uncles, kind of stuff like that. It was, I don't the conversations, the, I mean, the, obviously, my family accepted me. Duh, like yeah, they, like, yeah, you know, like whatever. Um, but like when it came to like conversation, it was just I don't know. At some point, I guess it was more like I was like a like a what it like when we go places or like when we go to family. It was like a like, like a I was the new, like I was a shiny like. Oh, like was, you were like, like a new toy. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Don't say it like that, but like I was like, <laughs> like 
I was like center of attention. You were the center yeah. of attention. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're you're the you're the black person in front of, with all the white people. Yeah. 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 And after a and while, they're, and they're fascinated. Yeah, it's, it was different. It was like that's the word. It's just different. Okay, because like okay, so I grew up around mostly white people, like at the eight from like elementary to about seventh grade. Yeah. And they were always so fascinated by me. And look at me, I'm I'm fair skinned. I'm I'm light skinned. And they were so fascinated by me. They want to touch my hair. They want they they make me doing the hand test, like flipping my hand over. Like our hand is all one color all the way around. Look at your hand. You know what I'm saying? Things like that. I had a story one time in the fifth grade where we were talking about slavery. And my uh, slavery, uh, my slavery teacher, my history teacher, (laughs) (laughs) my my history teacher is teaching us about slavery. And he says, well, you had uh, house house slaves and you had field slaves. And uh, Denez here, he probably would have been a house slave. And then everyone looks at me and that and then he just goes on to the next subject. You know, he just continues with his topic. You know what I'm saying? So I know that I've had these, uh, I've been questioned. You know what I'm saying? Are you mixed? You know what I'm saying? Are you that? Yeah. So I know yeah. if I'm getting these questions, I know you got these questions. Yes. And probably yes. even more. I know that for a fact. Yeah. So please tell yeah. us some of the questions <laughs> that <laughs> white people um, ask you. I got when I came to like when I first went to school. My first, I was eight and a half. First, like I went to second grade. Like my first day of school. Um, I mean, when I first came to America, I was. I mean, I'm still dark, but I was dark. I was like this beautiful, like dark chocolate. Like it was. I was just came fresh off the boat type shit. And so like, <laughs> so like going to like seeing pictures. Like I was. The, one of the only few black kids, and the only black kid I really remember was my friend Massacoy. He's also from Liberia too, actually. Oh. Um, so that's that. I think he was like the only. So I was like stared at, and my accent was like thicker. It was damn near like I sound like I was speaking a different language because like when I first came, like I couldn't really understand my parents, even though in Liberia it was considered English, but like the accent is so thick, we don't pronounce like certain letters of the word, like things like that. And so it sounded like I was speaking a different language. So like I had to take, I always, I ended up falling asleep in class because like it was so overwhelming with how much I had to learn. And so then I had to go to my teacher's house after school so she can teach me more because I end up falling asleep. Kids want to like touch my hair. They, um, like why are you asleep? <laughs> <laughs> so <But> now, weird. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't even. I don't remember like questions, but like I know I was bullied. Obviously, I was bullied a lot for being so dark. Um, oh, the yeah. kids were mean, and the meanest kids weren't even like the white kids. It was always the Asian kids for some reason. What? They were so mean to me. I I'm I don't know. And like, what, what the Asians were doing to you? 
they'll be speaking, they'll be calling me, they'll be speaking their language, but they'll be like pointing at me and laughing. Or they'll be like, you're not pretty, but I'm like, yeah, I am. Yeah, it's too late, I got that. They'll be like, I'm just not, like, it was always like, I was just not the pretty girl. Like, in the, it's all around, I guess. It was weird for being black. And it's weird because I had, like, most of my, all my friends were pretty much white. So they were nice. Oh. But, like, you have all those people who were, like, straight up racist. Even, even in elementary school, like, these kids, they start so young. And I'm just like, I don't know what I did wrong. I, I don't know. Oh, so when you were little, you just knew like some of these kids didn't like you just because you was black. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, how would they express their racism at such a young age? Um, like I get like not I was not pretty. They told me that. Um, my hair was. It was my hair. They wanted to touch it, but then when they touch it, they'd be like, "Ew, why does it feel like that?" Blah 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 blah. Um. Uh, what else? <laughs> I remember that. I, I'm laughing because I remember that. Ew, like, what? <laughs> like what the hell? Um. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. But my sister, there's this one incident. This boy, we can't. We were standing in line in the morning to go into school. He says, what he say? I think he called me a monkey or something. He, saw, he called me something oh. like that. My, my younger sister, she she straight up punched him straight in the face. She was like, the best, it was the best thing ever. He, of course, he started crying, blah, 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 blah. But like, that was the best moment of my life because I'm just like, <laughs> bro, you are legit so pale. Like, I can see your face. Like, you are. No, that'd be real. That's yeah, real. Deja yeah. says that uh, that's good that you had confidence back then. I was going to say that too. Because you had mad confidence. Because you said you were already looking that stuff up. You, it sounds like Black Pride was already embedded oh, yeah. in you. Yeah, it was a, it was weird. because, like, It's weird because I don't really... Rem it's like my brain somehow don't remember everything from Liberia, but like I remember like like Africa African confidence. It's I don't know how you my, my mom she would be braiding my hair, singing to me. I remember it was just like an extra boost of confidence that she gave me. I don't know where I, it came from, but I just knew like I, I'm not it wasn't ordinary. It was not like an ordinary thing. Even though I'm completely away from home. I don't know these, I didn't know these people. I just knew like being black and being an African was extra special for some reason. And from a young age, I was looking that up, making sure I'm like beautiful black women was always something I always looked, looked up, so. So your mother, you said your mother used to sing to you. Do you remember some of the songs she used to sing? No, this is one memory, it was like, um, Sun, like it was actually it was sunny or whatever. Um, we're sitting on some porch, I don't something, and she's braiding my hair and singing to me while I'm eating like a cookie or something. And that's like the mem the best memory I've have of my mom. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, we people don't 
as a parent, I understand doing things so that your ch children have those memories. Mm -hmm. And you do those things because you know that they have a, there's a time where they're going to have to refer back, get grounded. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it sounds like that's a pure moment for you. That's yeah. a very pure, yeah. a very pure memory for you. Now, <clears throat> do you reach out? Do you are you in communications with any of your brothers or your sisters or yeah. mother or father? I yeah, um, a while ago, it was like 2016, my brother found me on Facebook and they, they've been like trying to like search for me for a long time apparently, but I yeah, they, he found me on Facebook. So we were like talking, messaging, but it's like, and then he tried calling me on the phone, but it's so hard. The accent is so hard to understand. It sounds like a different language. So we talked here and there and I could like try to pick up and things and then, he actually, I actually talked to my biological mother, but it it was extra hard to understand her because she wasn't college educated. Like she wasn't as educated as my siblings, you know? And so it was hard to understand, but like the fact that I got to like see, she see so many pictures of her. I got to talk on the phone with her a few times. And then we kind of like stopped communicating a little bit. And then just recently, like in the last two or three months, my and I found me on Facebook and we've been messaging and then I we've talked on the phone um, a few times and then she found my biological father. I honestly, when I first came to America, like I thought the last memory I had of my father, I don't know if I made it up because it's not real, he told me, was him going to <laughs> was him going to war or something like that because like I it was like a civil war. Like all I remember was just guns and death and war and moving and stuff like that. Um, and he didn't go to war, but like, I don't remember him. And then when I, she's like, your dad is still alive. Like I spoken to your dad, I go visit him. I'm like, what the heck? I thought he died. Like for the past like 14 years, I thought my father passed away or something. In, in, in the um, war. Because he wasn't at the air, like he didn't take me to the airport, he didn't come visit me at the orphanage, like my mom and my grandparents did. So I didn't know. So I just recently like talked to my father for the past 14 years. I didn't know he was alive. So we talked, we FaceTime, and so that was he is so cute. Like I've never <laughs> I don't remember him. Like I do not remember his face. So like that being my father, I'm like, yeah, I have like the same like they, like whatever. So it was cool, like being able to talk to my mom, my brother, my aunt, who like pretty much like helped raise me. She's like my second mom. Then my father. Um, it's crazy because uh, I had all these questions, and then like it's like relearning more about myself. Like I am part of all these like different tribes. Um, I'm a, like from we're from originally from like Israel, and then we came to like Liberia. Then the white people colonized that because they're bored or something. Then <laughs> they did that, so they turned us into a speak uh, English speaking country. Like so, it's like all these things. I'm like originally from Israel. I'm from the, the tribe. I'm like I'm probably like a princess or something. Like I don't know, you know. So I'm just like it's cool. Like this past few months have been really cool because 
from years of like Googling things, years of trying to figure out who I am, because like, there's always something missing. You're always trying to like figure out who you, you are. But, like when your mom and your dad and your sibling, that your biological family tells you who you are, what tribe you're from, blah, 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 blah. That's just like, you reinvent yourself into who you've been missing. And it's like a whole different like identity thing. And now I'm just like, even more proud to not just be black, but to be from like a tribe from Israel. Oh, like, so what, are you wait, are you saying you part of the part of the tw- tw- one of the twelve tribes? Yes. Israelite. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're Israelite. Okay, I didn't want to. I didn't, I didn't want to put words in your mouth. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that, I, I love that, and yeah. I love that your father was the one who gave you that knowledge. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And your father says that being a man, I can kind of see what maybe your father didn't come and visit you because he didn't approve of you being there. And yes. And he, he said something about that because he, my aunt's like, it was very difficult for mom to make the choice to put me up for adoption because like not to brag on myself, but like, um, like apparently like they try like after my brother, they had my brother, then they try for like years and like years, like seven plus years to have another child. And that was me. And so like for we living in a village with like your people, it was like a huge celebration that I was born. And she's like, it was very slim that you survived. Like just like conditions of Africa and like your mom's body, I don't know, body or whatever, I don't know. And so like, I don't know, I don't remember my dad, but like I did. I don't know if like I made up like a person that to stand in the place of him that I don't recognize anymore because now I know who he is. But yeah, um, I don't remember him coming to the orphanage, but I, he told me like he necessarily didn't agree or didn't want me and my sister to be adopted because that I'm like, I'm his daughter. I, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Oh, that's real. I, 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 I felt that I already knew. I already knew he had to put it in his mind that you were gone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and you did the same, but in a, in a more creative, imaginative way. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Your dad was, your dad was even, even through all that, your dad was a, he was your hero. Cause he's in your mind, he went to war. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and he died in war. You know what I'm saying. So yeah, I, 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 think well, I don't know where I got that from though. Like, I swear <laughs> to God, I would tell everybody that, <laughs> and I was like, "Is this? I don't know. I made that shit up, and I believe that because he's like, no. I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm glad you're here because <laughs> I don't remember." Oh, I am I am hyphen X man. Welcome back to the Great Conversation Podcast. This is part two. We had a little technical difficulty. Um, but we're back now. 
uh, part two of our conversation with Dana here talking about being adopted. Um, we kind of we're gonna pick up now. I just we're just gonna dive into it now. Like I said in the previous recording, that you all you seem like you have a pretty good head on your shoulders. Like you already know that you're black. You already know that you're beautiful. You're already looking looking those that type of information up on your own without being you know sequestered to do so. Mm-hmm. Did your adoptive family help you in any way, shape, form, or fashion to actually help you embrace your blackness? Not that I remember. No, like I can't even. I hate talk. I don't even want to put them on like blast to say they weren't great parents based on like how they like raised me or whatever. But like when it comes to me being a black woman, they didn't aid or help me in that sense. I don't know if they didn't know how to, cause there was no conversation. There was no, like, do you need, do you, like, there's no help. And that's, that was part of their job. If you were going to adopt a black person, your job is not to take away the identity necessary. It's like to help them know, yes, you are not originally from here. You're not originally ours. We love you and we want you to have a better life and to be like at the right age, whenever the things are appropriate for them to start helping me figure out who I am because it was not a white girl. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be a white daughter to them. You know, I'm not going to, I, I can't be, it's not, it doesn't make sense and I'm never going to be, but like they didn't help me in that. And so this is from 18 to now was the most like diff- I think was like probably the hardest part of my life because I wasn't living at home. I moved to Rockford. Um, it was like not identity crisis, but it was literally reinventing my real year, figuring out new things about myself, finding new people, like more black people in my circle. Cause literally from, I, what, it was white people all all around, almost in every little thing, from track, track. to soccer to church to that home. I, yeah, it was literally white, white, white. And so my parents, no, I'm not gonna give them credit for that because they didn't help me in that part of my life. Now, that I, I like the way you said, like I I can't be a a little white girl. Did you mm-hmm. feel as if they were trying to put that on you? Maybe not intentionally, you know, but like you, <laughs> then you can't. Uh, what do I say? How do I say this? If you're not, you can't intentionally, but they weren't like intentionally trying to make me into a black woman at the same right. time. Right. Not like. Okay. I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand. So, no, they wouldn't push blackness on you. I get that part because they're not black. So they yeah. can't put really push blackness on you. Yes. But but you're not saying that they were trying to take your blackness away, are you? Mm. Not necessarily take it away, but they weren't trying to help me find more of it. Okay. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, 
I'm not going, they're not gonna sit there and deny my blackness necessarily, but like I needed more, I needed more from them in that aspect of my life because when I'm surrounded by white and I know I'm not, I need help as a young, as a third, 14 just when you're like, it's difficult. And so like, at that age, I needed that the most. And there was like this incident and uh, I hope, I don't know, I hope they don't see it, but like, I kind of want, like they don't, no one really knows my parents. So it's not like, I hope I don't get a text later because whatever. Uh, there's just like this incident, like I was at the kitchen table and I was like on like dining room table and I was on the computer or something and I typed in beautiful black women. And that was an issue to them. Like I got that for that. Or like you, I got tried. you got in trouble like, for that? Yeah, it was like it wasn't something like Mm, it was more like a, it was more like encouragement to go and search more. It was more like, what are, what are you doing, kind of thing. Like what kind of what, what kind of punishment do you, does one get looking up themselves? Like what? I don't know. I don't even remember the punishment. I just remember like that stuck to me from that like that moment hurt so bad because I'm just like, what's wrong? what was wrong with looking up something like this? You know what I mean? Like there was nothing wrong. And I felt like that was so wrong and they made it so wrong. And from that moment, I think they did that to themselves where they made themselves not like a safe place for me to go to when it came to personal things that has to do with being a black woman and just like personal things in general. Well, yeah, because you'll be afraid to get in trouble. Yeah. Like, I think I answered my own question. It does sound like they try to discourage you. They wanted you, they wanted you to focus on just being their daughter. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because, you know, you do find this out a lot. Like, you know, white people really believe in a lot of diversity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But diversity to them means different nationalities acting like them. That's diversity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that's so no, they're not gonna. Hey, no, you're not black. It's not that we're saying that you're not black. We're saying that better than being black, you're you're our child. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We came in. We, 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 like we don't see color type thing. I I never understand that. I just never understand that. Yeah. Everyone sees color. Like <laughs> if you have the ability to see see in color, you, yeah, just you see, imagine. You see just imagine living with people who you have to kind of walk on eggshells with when it came to being black and proud. Like not, I don't know, I really don't know. It was not intentional, I don't think. But damn, like that's like the most awkward thing because we never, it was never race unless it was like a, a negative, negative, Thing about it, I guess it was weird. And I when we go to like when it, it was so weird. I don't even. I hate this because like I love my I love my parents. Yeah. Oh, of course. But, but it's just so weird because like even going to like Walmart and seeing like when it, when I got older to like notice boys and men. Like I always to marry and date a black man and like be and have black ass kids, right? 
And for some reason, that was so weird because, like, saying that out loud to them was like a, they're like, oh, okay. Like, whatever. And then my first boyfriend, <laughs> my first boyfriend was um, a white-ass kid, like a white kid. And, like, that was, like, they loved him. And they loved him. It was like a. And my mom was like confused. She's like, oh, I thought you were gonna marry and date a black man. But she's like, and it was like this white kid. And then now my husband, uh, he's a beautiful black man. I'm just like, I made it. I did it. And then, I mean, we went to my parents' house like a couple times. And like, yes, yeah, they love, like they like him, obviously. And they are, they treat him perfectly. But it's just like back then, it was just like a weird thing to find. I, just not even being able to talk about boys, really, but just like black men was just so. It was like it's, not, it's like okay, so it's, this is something that people don't really talk about. Like okay, so you know you got the quote unquote good white people, right? Yeah, you got the good white people, the ones that you know they do they adopt children, they they do work the missionaries, they you know what I'm saying they do all of these things, right? Yeah. But even they are a victim of white supremacy because even they are sitting there and saying to you, wanting you to set, put your put your blackness second nature. You know what I'm saying? So when you said like, hey, I'm going to uh, one day marry me a beautiful black man. <laughs> what? I mean, that's fine and all. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But, 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 but. <laughs> Man, we're not doing our job right. She's in here looking up <laughs> beautiful black women want to marry a black man. Like, what is going on here? And then that was some type of validation when you brought home that white boy. And they're just, they're probably so, so proud. You know what I'm saying? Like, ah, I thought you said you're going to marry you a black one. Okay. All right. You like Timmy here? He's a good guy. Timmy, want to help set the table? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Things like that. Because even because even they even they have been um, victims of white supremacy, you know what I'm saying? If you will, uh, a casualty, if you must, because yeah. they 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 privileged from being white, you know what I'm saying? And I think adopting other nationalities is a privilege of being white. Like I'm not saying it does not happen because in my research for today's show, I was looking up things and it does happen where. Uh, black family will go adopt uh, white kids and whatnot. But I don't find that as shocking because black people as a nature, as nur as nature, we're nurturers. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? It's, our natural to be, it's natural for us to be nurturers. That's what I'm trying to say. And we accept, we easily accept everyone. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So any, I am a little weary every time I see a black, a white male with a black daughter as a child. I'm always a little weary of that. I don't know if I've been conditioned or I watched too much Lifetime or anything like that, like, but I, or SVU or, you know what I'm saying? But I do, I get a little, you know what I'm saying? I get a little nervous. You know what I'm saying? Because there is some type of brainwashing going on. It's kind of like what you said. And like I'm saying, I'm not saying it's intentional. 
I'm not saying it's intentional. I'm willing to give it give it up to the subconscious and uh, environment because they're taking you out of blackness and bringing you into whiteness. You know what I'm saying? So they're going from their world to their world, and they're just trying to put they're putting you in all types of sports, and they want to make sure you have the best education. You know what I'm saying? But in all that, you're searching for the best you. You're looking yeah. for self this whole time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You're running, you're running, you're running away. You're uh looking, looking yourself up. You're trying to understand who you are. Now, mm-hmm. you said between 18 and now has really been the toughest. Would you say that, that this has been the toughest time in your relationship with your parents? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, well, it was it's been hard. Um, even like if my mom was here right now, my, if my parents were here right now, they would say, yeah, it's been really hard trying to navigate just being parents and then being parents of black kids. But like this I moved down, came to Rockford, that has been so hard because I'm not there anymore, but I felt like I was still underneath that like, the thumb, kind of. I didn't mm-hmm. really grow up until about 2020, when I Man. was like, need to figure. I need to like. I am. I, it's it's me. I have to like do it because I didn't really grow up until like when like the whole George Floyd happened. About before that, even George Floyd, and then I didn't speak to my parents for a whole year with this whole protesting thing happened, and. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, for a whole year, and I know I couldn't because it was so uncomfortable. With it was like damn near black against white, and I was like, I I'm a black woman, but I have white family, and so like I didn't speak to them. I didn't know where their whole take was on all of it. I didn't know not side, but like yeah, if we're going to be my on my side, like my corner, like you know things like that. So like I didn't grow up until like this past last like a year ago, and it was so hard because I'm like I'm away from like people who I've known for ever who like gave me who try like made trying to make me the person I was I guess, and then even like coming 18 years old coming to a church and going to this program called Focus One. I was surrounded still by just white people all the time. Still, even though the church was more diverse, when that on Sundays and Monday through Monday Saturday, I was with white people still, and I was like one of the only black people around. And so, like nothing really changed. So it was still like an identity thing from eighteen till about twenty twenty was when I just like I broke away from that. I stopped going to that church. I, cause like even that church with the whole racism and stuff, I was like, I still didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable. And it was so weird, even in that church, it was slight racism still. Like it, I can't even pretend that like, that is so weird to me. Um, But like 2020 was when I really grew up and figure out who I was without my parents. And I thought it, it was so hard trying to talk to them because from a whole year not talking and then me going to the protests, me getting arrested, me standing up for things, me being all these things. 
I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to talk to them because like they have not said a single word to me about Black Lives Matter as a having black kids. They, it was, they adopted me and my sister Pleasant, they adopted two more. So there's four of us, actually. I forgot to say that. There's four of us. So like they haven't said a single thing about that. I didn't know where they stood. They, it was like, even with like political things, I know they weren't on the side that I picked. I didn't even pick a side, whatever, with the whole Trump and Biden thing. I didn't I didn't vote. I don't I don't care. Um but like I know <laughs> it sucks anyways, I don't give a fuck. Um but um I didn't talk to them about that. And so when I first messaged them, like I didn't even tell them I got married. I didn't even tell him I was dating anyone. You know what I mean? Like, that's such a, it was so weird. And I was so heartbroken. I was so sad. And I was talking about it all the time. And like, um, I was like, just like, you should like message him. I'm like, it was just like a lot. A lot of people telling me like, just message them, blah, blah, blah. They found out I got married off of Facebook. Someone told them. Um, <laughs> and the fact that I got married after four months too, they were I, it, just like all that was just so weird for me to tell my parents. And to, so my mom messaged me. She was like, Hey, you know, we, someone told us you got married, like, congratulations. And she sent me like, this whole thing. And I was like, cause I was planning, I wrote like, a, I got my notes app out and I was like rewriting things, figuring out <laughs> a good text for them. And my mom messaged me, I said, oh, shit. She said, she messaged me first. So now I'm like, okay, I can go a bit above what she said. So it was like, like it started that conversation. And they were like proud of me. And like, they were happy for me, like whatever, and things like that. And then they met my husband. Then it's like, it was like a lot. And so now we go, we've been there a couple of times. And so it's just so weird that I'm like, I did everything without them that I felt like I found myself this past year without them and without a bunch of people and then like my my circle got so small but like it's like it was so good and I finally figured in fact I'm like this Lamont he's like he was into like the he of like, the Hebrew Israelites I didn't know anything about that until I met him I knew about Hebrew Israelites but like I didn't know he was in depth with it like he and his whole family's all into that and I didn't really know much about that. So he would like, we would talk about it all the time. We'd go to Shabbat, things like that. And so when I figured that part out, I figured, I started like learning more about myself that I'm part of the 12th tribe. I'm from originally from like Israel. Like I am literally, it's like a lot of things. I'm like, I found myself. It's like, it's not like I found myself. I'm never going to like stop searching for more, but like I found myself in the most authentic, authentic way possible so far yeah. and I did it by myself and with like a very few amount of people and it's just been it's been so good and like my parents it's not it's not as weird as I thought it was going to be um but I know that I guess I'm, I'm never going to be able to talk to them about certain things and that's where like the boundaries of being an adult and then being an adult comes in I'm not child but I'm still their kid, but I'm not a child. So like, there's a boundary of like, we might not talk about this. We might not talk about this past 14 years we've been together and we might not come from that. We might not be who I thought we were gonna be, but it's okay, I'm here, you're there, and you're still my parents. It's just like, it's like a boundary. And I, yeah. I, I like that a lot, so yeah. <laughs> 
it, it, it's amazing how you found your safe place amongst what many would consider chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I, I mean, I always knew with the whole protest, like, I knew I was like a, a leader in some way, but I didn't know what that was going to be like. I didn't know I was going, like, if I, he would have told me I was going to get arrested multiple times, got beat up by cops, beat up by cops, um, I love beat up cops. I, yeah. I don't even know. You know what I mean? I would not have thought, like, I would have found who I am, a leader in chaos. And, a gen like, it was, I don't know. I found a lot of myself on at City Market and um, walking and protesting and stuff like that. But, yeah. And it, it was it's crazy. It's crazy. But 2020 was definitely my year in, like, the fact that we had self-reflection you have to stay at home with all that whole stay at home thing than protesting than being like i am i'm i don't know i'm like this force like this amazing force that i'm just like i, I it's like i'm fine to brag about myself now because like i worked for it i figured it out now i'm like super proud of it so it's like i don't know i'm thankful for it i'm thankful for all the protests and all that but like I don't know, it's great to be able to like have something to go off of finally. In in the in the mighty words of a great philosopher, you know it's real when you know I, I, I might be I might be uh butchering it. It's great to you know it's real when you are who you think you are. Yeah. Drake. <laughs> so, <laughs> Drake, I agreed with you and all. I thought it was someone special. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a philosopher of our day, but uh, <laughs> no, because you 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 did you um a lot a lot of people say that you manifested your life. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people will say that based yeah. off what you're saying, the things that you were saying when you were younger. You know what I'm saying? Your 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 longing for always wanting to be free. Not to be on anyone's thumb to make your own decisions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. So you are a freedom fighter. You just fought for freedom for yourself first. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how it should be. You know what I'm saying. And I want my daughter to hear your story one day. You know what I'm saying. So she can find strength in that. You know what I'm saying. Because not only are you a black woman, you're an African black woman, but you're not even just an African black woman. You're a you're a hero Israelite. You're coming right. from Israel. You're coming from a direct bloodline. Right. Okay. So right. I'll I'll say it. I'll say it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's a you got some you got some God and goddesses bloodline in you. You right. know what I'm saying? So I say keep manifesting, keep moving forward, continue to grow and learn. You know what I'm saying? Because the minute a tree stops growing, it dies. Right. You know what I'm saying? So just keep keep pushing forward. Now you know what I'm gonna say. Go ahead and drop your your tags for everybody. <laughs> Girl, you all better already be following me. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> y'all heard what she said. Y'all heard what she said. Well, and then I appreciate. You. 
I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you bearing with us through some of the technical difficulties yeah, and whatnot. Right. And you're always welcome here. You are always welcome here. This is, a, this is a safe place. Okay. So I'll tell your husband what's up. Uh, I see he out here. He made a very encouraging post for me today. I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that very well. Yes, the streets are right. <laughs> uh, he said uh, he said the streets are right, you know what I'm saying, about his video prices. The streets are saying that he only shoots oh. video prices at a certain price. That's my point. The streets are talking and they're right. Right, and, and they right. <laughs> hey, that was a very encouraging post for me, bro. You don't even know it. You know what I'm saying? This is my let me say this none of my man's is on there. This is my favorite black couple in Rockford. You know what I'm saying? This, <laughs> this is my favorite black couple in Rockford, man. Hey, I am the I hey Lamont, go Lamont, go ahead and uh, drop your tags, man. Let people know where they can find you at. Uh Instagram LW photography. Uh Lamont Whitmore on Facebook. And that's it. Yeah. That's really all I've been on. Hey man, it's the black love for me. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, man. I am the I am hyphen X, and this has been the Great Conversation Podcast. And remember, you don't always have to agree to have a great conversation. Peace. Bye. Thank you. Peace out. Thanks. Yep. Thank you. Boom.